Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all of you here today. Welcome to Solana Valley Church, and I'm thankful for this opportunity to join you in making his praise glorious and giving him the honor and the praise that he deserves. So let's stand together and let's go ahead and get that started. good news to share with you. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word. Let's sing together, y'all. Just one word that surrounds me. Just one word the darkness has to retrieve. Just one time, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. That's right. Oh, praise the name. That makes a way There's nothing that our God can't do Just one word Just one word Feel what's broken inside me Just one word And you revive every dream Oh, yes, you do Just one word I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes are open to see. My heart can't help but believe. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that He can't move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. No, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall He can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. And I will believe. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree there's no power. One more time, church, I will believe. Oh, I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Oh, let all agree there's no 
faithful I was taking a little bit of time yesterday to kind of reflect on that and rehearse God's faithfulness and I think if we all took the time to do that we'd probably find moments in our lives going back a long way where we can say yep God did that or God showed up or God provided there's nothing that he can't do he is always faithful Let's sing this next song. It's called Monuments. The monuments of God's faithfulness. Let's celebrate that. How he's shown himself in your life and in our church. Here we go. One, two, one, two, three. We've seen, we've heard the stories of your goodness. We're lost and found. And broken hearts were healed. We've known, we felt the power of your presence when mountains fell and every wave was still. One look at what you've done is a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory. Rises up to say, We are the monuments of your faithfulness. And what life, oh, what life, what death could ever separate us? The blood you shed. Will always be enough and one look, one look at what you've done, yeah, is a glimpse of what's to come. Every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say, we are the monuments of your faithfulness every captive soul that has been set free stands and testifies we have been redeemed we are the monuments of your faithfulness and these monuments sing a church 
these monuments of what you've done. Yes, these monuments of your great love. Every war that you have won is just a glimpse of what's to come. Yes, these monuments of what you've done. Yeah, these monuments of your great love. Every war that you have won, oh, is just a glimpse of what's to come. That's right, and there's every miracle, every step of faith, every victory rises up to say. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. Every captive soul that has been set free stands and testify. We have been redeemed. We are the monuments of your faithfulness. thankful for that. So uh, do you know why the grape didn't want to try out for the baseball team? It didn't want to get picked. There's a reason I told you that. This next song, Come to the Water, um, it's an invitation. And, you know, we've all been picked for God's team. And we have that assurance in the book of Romans where it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is pursuing and has been pursuing each and every one of us and each person since then and will continue to. He's pursuing each of you now, each of us. And um, he's inviting us to, to come to him, to come and drink. And that's the cool thing uh, about the Lord is that he doesn't force anyone to follow him, but the invitation is always there, you know. And so I just want, in a real corny way, (laughs) to just let you know that you have been picked for God's team. Uh, But we have to say, yep, I'm going to step forward. I'm going to go ahead and join. So, that's what this next song is about. It's an invitation. An invitation to come to Him and join His team.
come and be healed. Come and be healed. Once again, oh come. Oh come, come to the water. All who are thirsty, come and be filled. Oh come, come to the river. Brothers and sisters, come and be healed. Yes, come and be healed. We believe. We believe in the kingdom come. We believe in the risen sun. You bring our hearts to life. Lord, we come with our hands up high. We believe we will satisfy. You bring our hearts to life. You bring our hearts to life. We are alive. You bring our hearts to 
seat for a moment. I'd like to invite my wife Carolyn up, speaking of revival prayer, to lead us in doing just that. Good morning, church. We just sang, let revival come, let the people sing the glory of his name. One of the values of Solana Valley Church is revival prayer. It's what we believe in, and it's what we do on an ongoing basis. We devote ourselves to united prayer for the advancement of the gospel in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. This morning, I want to look at a prayer of revival from the prophet, prophet Habakkuk. So in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk prayer is for God to revive. He wants the Lord to be faithful as he has always been. He wants God to be who he is. He is praying in alignment with God's righteous and faithful character. The prophet pleads for God to reveal his plan in himself, and he pleads for God to make the path clear. His final plea is for God is for the God of justice to also be the God of mercy. He petitions the Lord to remember his mercy and remember his covenant. Habakkuk prayed because revival was desperately needed. God's people had become forgetful. They'd become formal, almost ritualistic, and careless in their devotion and obedience to God. They had almost lost their testimony. God's holy name was not being honored and his kingdom was not being extended. How relevant that is for our time. Because our greatest need today is for spiritual revival. Our greatest need is not for more money or more programs. The greatest need is for spiritual revival, for a fresh infusion of divine life into the church. For an awakening in the lives of God's people and an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. It was for this that Habakkuk prayed, and it's for this that we're going to pray for right now. So let's bow our heads and pray. 
Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning. Forgive us for becoming forgetful, formal, and careless in our devotion to you. Forgive us for putting emphasis on outward things, on things that we can do or we try to control. These things do not produce revival. You alone can. Lord, I pray for the local church. I pray for Solano Valley Church. I pray for the testimony of the Christian church in the world in our day that it's effective. And our sole occupation is to love you and to love others. I pray for favor and effectiveness in our community, turning lives around, turning lives towards you. We ask you because we know that revival comes from heaven. It cannot be worked up. It needs to be prayed down. It is not our doing, but yours alone. So, Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Well, folks, we're going to, before we continue with our worship, we're going to uh, take a moment to greet the folks around us. And I want to ask you to, uh, excuse me, to take a few moments to do that. And you can just, uh, I think a great icebreaker might be something like, you know, what are your Fourth of July plans? Um, We are, we're going to, Carolyn's uh, mom's tomorrow, and we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great day. So take a take a few seconds to say hi to one another, find out what the plans are, and we'll continue with our uh, our worship in just a second.
Folks, let's make our way back to our seats. Riches I heed not. Riches I heed not. Your man's empty grace. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. I Lord, you are. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing desire compares with you. Lord, you are. Oh, Lord. 
together church Lord be our vision help us to make you keep you in first place in our lives thank you for pursuing us help us to pursue you every day as well you are so worthy of our worship and our devotion Lord and we love you and pray this in Christ's name amen you can have a seat church was not taking my cue. I was actually supposed to be working my way up here in prayer, in the prayer time. And, uh, but my, uh, I was kind of, um, my mind is meandering a little bit today, okay? Uh, maybe more, so, some of you are like, well, what's new, okay? Uh, but maybe a little bit more than, than normal, more than usual. And uh, part of it is just in the song that we were singing a moment ago, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Uh, Be thou my vision, Uh, O Lord of my heart. You know, I I think that it's so funny. I remember as a young man seeing all these books and stuff like that and business about the importance of vision. The importance of vision in whatever career field you're in, in a business. A business needs a vision. And the truth is, there is no vision that any business has ever had that's worth dying for, much less worth living for. Uh, all of us, we need a compelling vision. And what we need is a compelling vision of Jesus. You know, what, what um, you know, I, I was reflecting, I've been reflecting a lot this week, and I've had opportunity to do that. And I've been reflecting on the time and place that we're in. The time and place that we're in is unique. It's unique. It's different. We've never faced a time like the time we're facing right now. We've never faced a time like this before. But throughout history, salvation history, the people of God have always faced unique times, unique moments that are different from every other generation. And the path forward is always the same. The path forward is always the same. It is in having a vision of the risen Lord, fixing our eyes on Him and following Him. You know, over the last three years, it's been really interesting. Over the last three years, uh, it's been really a tough... I've read a, a lot of articles on this, like Christianity Today and by others, and they talk about how this time is unique and hard for pastors, unique and hard for churches, unique and hard for people. 
And they all basically say the same thing. It's very interesting. It talks about the high degree of discouragement that many people are battling and feeling. It, it, talks, about, um, it talks about fear. It talks about anxiety. It talks about depression at levels we've never seen before uh, in, in, the, in the U.S. population. And the truth is, folks, we're in a unique time and place. But the path forward is still the same. We need a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to fix our eyes on him. I remember 40 years ago, 40 years ago, picking up a magazine, and it was talking about, uh, it was talking about vision, and it was talking about businesses having a vision. But the article I read talked about the vision of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. And it talks about how, how Isaiah saw this vision of, of, of uh, many people believe it, it's a Christophany, the Lord Jesus Christ, but a vision of the Lord, high and lifted up, holy, holy, holy. And when we have this kind of vision of God, the things of this world, unholy desires, have less of a tug on our hearts. Over the last three years, uh, a lot of churches, uh, a lot of churches have closed their doors. A lot of churches have lost key leaders, volunteers. We've lost key leaders, key volunteers. Uh, one church where I have some very, very good friends of mine who are very, very well connected in the church in different places of leadership. Um, I was talking with uh, uh, one of those people recently, and they were telling me that pre-COVID, it's a large church, it's a mega church. Pre-COVID, they had 1,600 volunteers. You know how many volunteers they have today? 200. Now, when you drop from 1,600 to 200, that is huge. The whole church feels that. But their experience isn't unique. Big churches are experiencing it. Smaller churches are experiencing it. Everybody's experiencing it. But the path forward is the same for all of us. The path forward is to have this compelling vision of Jesus, to live for him. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, say that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Um, I think there's hope. I really do. I, I, I do. A lot of people, you know, there, there is, COVID has created Fear, anxiety. It's also created a lot of division about how should we think about COVID and how should we move forward. It's created a lot of division in the church. There has been a lot of things in the world, uh, a lot of things in the world, uh, social issues, political issues, that have created a lot of division. And the funny thing is, is we've allowed it, we've embraced it in our churches. Uh, that what has happened is that there are many Christians who are being discipled by their news feeds. They're being discipled by their news feeds. They are more attentive to their news feeds than they are to the Word of God. They spend more time actually watching the news, reading news feeds, than they do in a book that gives us life and gives us something compelling to live for. I think there's hope. I do. I believe there's hope. I, I really do. 
And I believe our hope is in having a compelling vision of Jesus. Not fear of what's going on. Not fear of what may happen. Not anger at all the bad things that all those bad people are doing. But maybe a little bit of brokenness over sin in our own hearts instead of despising the sin of others. I think maybe some brokenness, maybe some healthy, holy contrition before God. Humility. I believe there's hope. I I think that we need a vision of Christ, and then we need to share in the vision of Christ. This is what I'll I'll just give you kind of briefly. I I do have a sermon. This isn't the sermon, sorry. But but I think it's something that has to be said. I, I think that Jesus has a compelling vision worth living, worth dying for, worth living for. I think the compelling vision of Jesus is this. I believe that Jesus envisions a unified church. He prayed for this in John 17. Just before he was betrayed, arrested, and abandoned by those closest to him. Just before he was tortured and nailed to a cross. He prayed. He prayed for unity among his disciples, and he said, not only these, but those who believe through them. That means you and me. I think you, me, I think we were on the heart and mind of Jesus that night. I think he was praying for our unity. I think he was praying for our unity, that we would be one, just as the Father and the Son are one. I think Jesus envisions a unified church. I I believe that Jesus... Uh, envisions a church that's faithfully following him. Following him. Giving him first place in all things. Faithfully, consistently following him. Not perfectly, but consistently. When we fall down, we get back up and we keep following him. We keep fixing our eyes on him. I think Jesus envisions a unified church that's faithfully following him, proclaiming the gospel. Proclaiming the gospel, why? Why? Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. You know what all means? For all who believe. That means Republican and Democrat. Did you know that? Jesus died for both and independent as well. And every other party you can think of. He died. He died for Jew and Gentile. Or the way we might say it in our world today in 21st century North America. That he died for the Asian, the black, Hispanic, the white. By the way, and he wants us to be one. One. Jesus envisions a unified church that's faithfully following him, proclaiming the gospel, living out the great commandment. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment of all? He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Later, Jesus said this, love one another as I have loved you. Living out the great commandment. That what Jesus envisions for us is us walking in step with the Spirit. We began our year talking about the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. Living out the fruit of the Spirit that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that the world, that are absent in the world. Unfortunately, absent in many churches, many Christians. But that's what following Jesus looks like. It looks like love. It looks like joy. It looks like peace. It looks like patience. It looks like kindness and faithfulness. Gentleness, even when we don't feel gentle. 
and self-control, even when I don't feel like exercising self-control. It looks like walking by the Spirit. And then it looks like making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I would say that our framework for life and ministry looks something like this. Our master is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our master. There is no other. Our master is the Lord Jesus Christ. Our message is the gospel. Our mission is to make disciples. Our mandate is to love well, God and others. And our manual is the Bible. It is, um, it is our first and final word on all matters of life and faith. I want to highlight for a moment, if I can, and then I'll launch into the message. I just want to highlight, if I can, real quick. Uh, I would have put together some really cool slides on this, but I really didn't have time to, to do it. But um, on Thursday night, we did something kind of cool. And I think it's cool because we've never done it before. We've never tried it before. I like it when we try something new and different. And what we decided to do is instead of trying to do a week of hope, I think we want to be a people of hope, not for a week, but all year long. But one of the things that we did was we just began to, we decided to work in partnership with the Red Cross on disaster preparedness. Anybody here, uh, did y'all know that we're in fire season? Did y'all know that? Did you know fire season is, is July through October every year here in California? And, and I already saw some signs of fire last week when we were driving down to uh, SoCal uh, where we've already had some bigger fires. And, um, but we're in the middle of fire season, and a lot of people, this concerns them. I mean, we've had members of our own family who have experienced tragedy and loss through wildfires. And uh, and so we felt like, well, let's do this. Let's love our neighbor. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. So I, you know, I didn't say this, but Matt said this. Let's love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He didn't say it exactly like that. But what if you think, what would you think if we partnered with Red Cross in disaster preparedness, where we reach out to people in our community who may not show up here on a Sunday morning, but they might show up here on a Thursday evening. And so what we did is we opened up our facility we put it out on uh, social uh, media. I'm not really, I don't know how to do all that stuff. Matt, thank you for what you did. Uh, but, but what we did is we opened it up, and we had several people who showed up here on Thursday night who probably would not ordinarily show up on a Sunday morning. We believe this is building a bridge of kindness and goodwill into our community. And, and I believe that every time we can do something like this, where we're building these bridges, it creates an opportunity for us to shine the light of Jesus for others to see. Jesus said this, Let your light shine before others in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I'd just like to say a big thank you to everybody who participated. Uh, Matt and Carolyn, uh, the Skinners, thank you for everything that you did to kind of lead that. Steve Sandy, thank you for showing up and preparing refreshments. That, for me, was the best part. Uh, I did have a donut. I limited myself to one. Um, I'm still carrying it with me today. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, the, the Friedrichs were here. A few others of us were here. Uh, just as a support, I want to say a thank you to everybody who was a part of that. But I think that when we do things like this, we are actually living the vision of Jesus. We are actually reaching out to people in our community uh, as ambassadors of Christ. So that being said, I'll get back on, on track with uh, where we're at with our preaching. Uh, 
If I haven't said it, first of all, if you're joining us from YouTube or Facebook, thanks for being with us today. Uh, last week, Joy and I, we got to worship with you, even though we weren't present here. But we were worshiping uh, together with you through Facebook. And it was fun to see so many people that I haven't seen for a long time. Well, didn't see them, but saw their names who were worshiping w- with us on that Sunday morning. But it was just kind of cool uh, to, to see people that way and to be able to, uh, to connect with people. So we are really glad you're with us. Uh, but uh, today, today we want to get back into the book of Exodus. And so I want to say today, whether you are with us online or you're here present today, I want to say happy 4th of July weekend. Can I say that? Okay, anybody got special plans? My plans is, I, I have no plans, okay? It's just what I'm going to relax tomorrow. Whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. So uh, tomorrow, July 4th, we will celebrate our nation's birthday. And if I remember correctly, if I did my math correctly, 246 years of freedom. Okay, so I got a nod from several people. <laughs> so thanks, Chuck, for your affirmation of a couple others out here. So I, I got that right, 246 years of freedom. Uh, this, for me, freedom is something that we deeply value as a nation, it, isn't it? I mean, that's something we really, really value. And most of you know I actually had the opportunity to spend a year living in a communist country before the fall of the Berlin Wall when there was still something that we called the Iron Curtain. I had an opportunity to live in a communist country and travel through several communist countries. I had the opportunity to stand in a bread line in Poland before anybody in America knew there were bread lines. I had the opportunity to see what an absence of freedom looks like. I had the opportunity to meet in underground churches who were underground churches because if you were a known church, there were certain government restrictions that were placed on what you could do. And so I had the opportunity to be a part of underground <laughs> underground churches uh, I got to be in a buddy of mine's church down in a little town called uh, Davod, uh, down close to the Yugoslavian border. And uh, there's a, in Baia, there was a big Russian, uh, well, uh, tank base. Of course, they didn't have Russian tank bases in Hungary. But there was a big Russian tank base uh, that was there. And he had actually invited a colonel from the Soviet Union Army to come and teach their kids uh, music. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, we're, I'm like in a place that was like considered very, very sensitive at that time. Like if I was discovered there as an American, I probably would have been apprehended, probably would have been kicked out of the country. They probably wouldn't have put me in jail or anything like that. But, uh, but I was in a place that I really wasn't supposed to be as an American. And, but th- this, uh, this Russian soldier, had he had no clue. He just thought I was a, another Hungarian. Uh, he had no clue. And, uh, and then after he left, my buddy comes up to me. And he's just, he's like snickering, laughing. It, I, I, it felt like, you know, a teenage boy who just set off a firecracker under his teacher's desk without her knowing it was him. Uh, but he kind of was that kind of attitude. And he takes me over to this piano where this guy had been leaning with his arm up on top of the piano. And he opened up the piano and I looked inside and there was all this literature, Christian literature, that was illegally in the country, and he was oblivious to the whole thing. But what I got to see was I got to see what a lack of freedom looks like, but then I saw people who, in a lack of formal freedom, who were very much free. They were free in Christ. But I got to see it it really created for me a greater appreciation 
of the freedoms that we enjoy. Okay? About 3,450 years ago, the people of Israel did not know freedom. About 3,450 years ago, the people of Israel knew 400 years of extremely cruel oppression and slavery like no nation has ever seen before. The closest resemblance we have seen something like this in modern times would be similar to what black slaves endured in the southern part of the United States pre-Civil War. It was a cruel oppression. You never had a single day off. You never got to celebrate your birthday. You never got to celebrate your, your wedding anniversary. You most likely didn't get to have a nice wedding celebration that you invited your friends to. You never had Christmas off. You never had Easter off. You never had Thanksgiving off. You never had the opportunity to go to the movies. You never had the opportunity to go out for a nice meal. Every day, you worked hard, cruel, harsh labor, building bricks that built Egypt. It was a time of cruel oppression. And the people of God cried out to God. The people of God cried out to God. And the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that the Lord heard their cry. The Lord saw their suffering. And the Lord remembered His covenant. And the Lord raised up a leader, Moses, to lead His people out of bondage into freedom. Today we're going to look at Exodus chapter 9, and we're right in the middle of something I'm calling it the uh, battle uh, of the gods. Uh, and in, uh, in Exodus chapter 9, uh, there have already been a series of plagues. There have already been four different plagues that have come upon the Egyptians. Uh, that over and over again, uh, Moses has been sent by God to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, that they may worship me. And over and over again, <laughs> Pharaoh has resisted and refused. And, and he has asked questions like, who is the God of the Hebrews? By the way, when he says, who is the God of the Hebrews, that is a term of complete contempt. Because the Hebrews are slaves. Who is this God of slaves that I should listen to him? I am Pharaoh. I myself am divine. I myself am the son of a God. That's the way the Egyptians thought of Pharaoh. They believed that he was a God, a descendant of gods. And so they've so far gone through four different plagues. And the first plague was uh, the turning of the Nile River into blood. The second plague was the frogs. The third plague was I think the third one was the flies, then the gnats, or the gnats, then the flies. I can't remember. But right now we're in, in chapter 9. And uh, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to open up your Bible to, to Exodus chapter 9. I'm going to read for us this text, and I'm just going to share with you a, a few quick thoughts, okay? Exodus chapter 9, if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to it. Uh, if you have your, your uh, smartphone, you can, uh, you can read it there. Uh, but let me read this for us, okay? 
Scripture says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Remember how Pharaoh had called uh, had called the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, with contempt? The Lord takes the very words that Pharaoh had used with contempt and now uses it to say, these are my people. This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels, on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. God makes a distinction here between the Egyptians and his people, uh, Pharaoh's people. Um, Where am I at? Verse 5. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal, not one animal, belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Uh, Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot. Oh, now this is really interesting. Take handfuls of of, uh, soot. These were, these uh, kilns, these furnaces were kilns that were used for making the bricks that the Israelites made for the Egyptians. And what, what, what the Lord tells Moses to do is go to those furnaces, gather some soot, okay? He tells this to Moses and to Aaron. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of, of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils. Uh, will break out on people and animals throughout the land. So they took some soot from uh, a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air, and festering boils broke out on the people and animals. The the magicians could not stand before Moses because the boils that were on them and, and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Now, sometimes people read this and they're like, wait a second. That's not very nice. That's not very nice. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. That doesn't sound very fair of God to do something like that. It's something that we, I just kind of want to remind you, and I, I've shared this with you before, is I want to remind you of what Pharaoh has been doing. See, if you go back to chapter 7, you'll read that, that Pharaoh's heart became hard. The Bible will tell us that Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. The Bible says Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen. He did not take any of this to heart. The Bible says he, Pharaoh, hardened his heart and would not listen. It says Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen. It says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And it says Pharaoh's heart was unyielding. 
And then it says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. What you need to understand is this, is that the Lord never hardens a person's heart against their will. The Bible tells us that the Lord is not, uh, uh, the, the Lord finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. The Lord finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. The Bible says that God is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God's desire, God never hardens a person's heart against their will. But there comes a point in time when God hardens a person's heart according to their will. There comes a point in time when people stubbornly refuse to listen to God. 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 Six different times the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart or that his heart was unyielding. And finally, it says the Lord hardened his heart. Verse 13, then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning. Confront Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. Let my people go. This is not a negotiation. This is a demand. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues. He's talking about here uh, plagues 7, 8, and 9, and then ultimately 10. The first plagues were tough on the people. The next four are, it decimates the land of Egypt. Or I will send uh, the full force of my plagues. Um, I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. It's kind of like, I don't know, you ever smash an insect with your foot or with your hand or fly swatter? It's like, you know, I, I, you, you, I could have squished you like a bug at any time I wanted. Oh. For by now, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this purpose. Oh, wow. Pharaoh was raised up for a purpose. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power. Wow. You know what? There was a hope of redemption here. I raised you up. So that you might know my power. He's going to continue to give Pharaoh opportunity to repent. I have raised you up for this very purpose. That you, I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. He is giving Pharaoh an opportunity to know his power and to proclaim the name of the Lord in all the earth. I wonder what Pharaoh's going to do. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have 
in the field to a place of shelter because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field and they will die. Verses 20 and 21. If you have an open Bible, I would encourage you to either underline this, circle this, something, but pay attention. Because what we see in these verses is absolutely huge for your life and my life. It says, those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord. By the way, by the way, in Exodus chapter, eight, or Exodus chapter 12, when it talks about Israel leaving Egypt, there were actually uh, Egyptians and other people who left with them. They became followers of the God of the Hebrews. Interesting. Okay? It says here, those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried. You know what it means to hurry? It means to get busy fast. They didn't waste any time. They hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. They had learned to listen to God. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored, literally the Hebrew says this, those who did not set their heart on the word of the Lord. Those who did not set their heart on the word of the Lord. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your, your hand toward the sky so that hell will fall over all Egypt on people and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hell on the land of Egypt. Hell fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. This was an epic storm. Throughout Egypt, hell struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hell was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. God makes a distinction between his holy covenant people and the people who are not of the covenant. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, said Pharaoh. This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right. I and my people are in the wrong. This time. Actually, every time. Moses is trying to, or excuse me, Pharaoh's trying to give a little bit here. Oh, I, I've sinned this time. All oh, the other times, maybe not, but this time. The Lord is in the right. I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder in hell. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. Sometimes people pray for relief. when They need to be praying with repentance. And that's, what, that's what Pharaoh's doing here. He's simply praying for relief from his suffering that he's brought on himself through his hard-heartedness and unwillingness to listen to God. This is what people do sometimes. This isn't what Pharaoh did. This is what people do. They pray for relief from the consequences of their sinful actions instead of repenting, submitting, surrendering to Jesus. Moses replied, When I've gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop. There will be no more hell. So you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Oh, interesting. The earth is the Lord's. 
The earth belongs to who? You have no problem with believing that, do you? Yeah, most of you don't. Okay. See, in the ancient world, the earth didn't belong to anybody. See, see, in the ancient world, you would have a god of the plains. You would have a god of the hills. You would have a god of the oceans. You would have a god of the heavens. You would have a god of the underworld. You would have many different gods. Each of them had their own realm. And what the Lord is saying is, I am the Lord of it all. Where am I at? What verse? 30? Okay, sorry. But I know but I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. The flax, the barley were destroyed since the barley had, had headed. The flax was in bloom. This time of year probably would have been around February of the year because that's when those things happen. Um, um, but I know you, your officials still do not fear. Excuse me. The, the flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had, had headed. The flax was in bloom. The, the wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripen later. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped, and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail had, and thunder had stopped, I wonder what he's going to do. He sinned again. That's right. He sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Several thoughts here, probably too many. Uh, that's fine. I'll get through it fast. Uh, several thoughts here. Number one, uh, the Lord makes a distinction between his covenant people and the people of this world. We see that. That God brought wrath on the Egyptians, but he brought the people of Israel to that wrath. They were protected from it. God makes a distinction. The Lord makes a distinction between his covenant people and the people of this world. Secondly, Behold the Lord's power and proclaim the Lord's name. In, uh, why did I shut my Bible? Verse 16, verse 16. Uh, it, it says, um, it says here, I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that you might proclaim, uh, you, 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 and that my name, name might be proclaimed in all the earth. By the way, that is our job, to be, behold the Lord's power and to proclaim the Lord's name. Uh, fourth, fear the word of the Lord. Verse 20, those officials of the Lord who feared the word of the Lord hurried to obey. They hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. That We want to be a people who fear the word of the Lord and obey the word of the Lord. Um, I have heard this before. I have a hard time believing it. I've heard this before, that sometimes people will go to church on a Sunday morning, and they will go home afterwards, and they don't remember what the sermon was about. I've heard of this happening. I've never had that experience. Actually, I have had that experience, and I was the one who preached the sermon. Uh, It's okay to forget what I say. Just don't forget the word of the Lord. Fear. You don't have to fear my word. My word is just my word. Fear the word of the Lord. That, that we need to have this reverence, this holy reverence and respect for the word of the Lord. Uh, and what that looks like is it looks like obedience. Obedience. Fear the word of the Lord. Obey the word of the Lord. Sixth, 
uh, be careful, be careful not to ignore the word of the Lord. Uh, and, and then finally, uh, be careful not to harden your hearts in response to the word of the Lord. Did I say finally? Be careful not to harden your I, I didn't mean that. Be careful not to harden your hearts in response to the word of the Lord. By the way, this is not a Pharaoh thing. This is a human thing. People routinely harden their hearts to uh, the Lord. They do this, okay? We read about it. It's, as you read through the book of Exodus, later it's going to be the nation of Israel. It's not going to be Pharaoh. It's going to be the nation of Israel who's not listening to what the Lord says, who's not respecting, worshiping the Lord, who is not heeding his word. Uh, we read about this in the book of Isaiah. We read about it in a lot of other books of the Bible as well. And in fact, in, in, in the book of Matthew, and I was reading this the other day in my quiet time, in Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus was speaking to a group of people in the Bible, and, and his disciples were asking him why he spoke to the people in parables. And what Jesus said is this. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And them must fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will never be hearing, never understanding. You will be, uh, you will be, ever, excuse me, you will be ever seeing, seeing but never perceiving. For this people, speaking of Israel, Jesus applying it to the Jews of his time, the, this people, um, this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, I might, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. See, hard-heartedness is a problem that every single person in this room deals with in some measure and has dealt with. Have you ever felt resistant to obeying God in something? I have, you know. But that is what we're talking about. We're speaking of hardness of heart. Finally, a thing here, fear the Lord. Fear, and I've said this before, we're not talking about fear like you dread, I don't know, a wild animal that's going to attack you, you know. <laughs> Being confronted by a skunk on a dark street late at night. Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of fear. But I'm talking about the kind of fear, and I've, I've shared this before. Like Right now, my young, youngest daughter, Faith, she's up in Washington, and they've been doing a lot of mountaineering, learning how to climb where there are patches of snow and ice. And uh, what do you do when someone falls into uh, a, a crevice? And, um, and uh, in, in how you create like a human pulley system to pull a person back out. But what you do when you climb a mountain is there is a healthy fear or respect for the mountain. Because if you don't have a healthy fear and respect, it will kill you. Okay? The mountain is not mean. The mountain is not vicious. It's just a mountain. You know, I've, I've done enough climbing of my own in my early years as a young man. I've been at, in places where you could look down and you saw a drop that was thousands of feet down. And um, and I'm on a ledge that's maybe three feet wide. It's like a sidewalk. I can walk on the sidewalk, <laughs> but, but there's a, a, a drop-off that goes down thousands of feet to this valley floor. All of a sudden, it's terrifying just to walk. Um, when you're on the side of a mountain, you cling to the side of the mountain. Because if you don't, 
It is a mountain. Okay? God is God. There is a healthy, holy fear of the Lord. There is no one like the Lord in all the earth. Behold the Lord's power. Proclaim the Lord's name. The Lord makes a distinction between his covenant people, the people of this world. One day, every nation, Egypt, the United States, one day, every nation will give an account before God. One day, every person, Pharaoh, me, you, will give an account before God. Fear the word of the Lord. Obey the word of the Lord. Set your heart on the word of the Lord. Be careful not to harden your heart. God is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. God wants all people to return, to turn, uh, to repent, to turn and believe in him. Fear the Lord with holy reverence and all. Let me pray for us. God, you are great. You are awesome. You are good. And uh, today we want to worship you. We want to worship you. God, uh, for any person today, maybe who's been dragging their feet in obeying you, I pray that today uh, be the day that they rep- repent and, and, and follow you with holy zeal. That, they will, that you will be their vision. Lord, we want you to be our vision. And we want to follow you wholeheartedly. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, Gary. Well, good morning again. And just before we close out our service today, I'd like to make you aware of a few important events that are happening this week and into the future. Um, These are great opportunities to connect with our Lord and with each other and just fill up our spiritual tanks. So the first is tonight um, we have our revival prayer. It will be from 6.30 to 7.30, and it's just our monthly time of revival prayer where we can gather, pray together in unison as um, we bring up different, we pray for our community, we pray for our leaders, we pray for each other, we pray for marriages, family, um, leaders in the church, all churches. And you don't, it's not scary, you don't have to pray out loud, but just come and pray um, with us, and it's a great time, and it's encouraging. Um, we also have coffee with a pastor. This is where Pastor Gary and Matt are available to just sit and chat with you every Wednesday at 4 p.m. It's at the Journeys Coffee Shop on Chadbourne Road. If Wednesday doesn't work for you, you can call them and reschedule for a different time. If you have prayer requests or just something you is on your heart and you want to talk to them, feel free to reach out to them. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't include my notes here. There are potential topics of discussion. So if you don't know what you want to talk about, you can talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks. You can talk about cycling, rock bands from the 70s and 80s. So those are just a few ideas if you'd like to uh, discuss things. Um, Also, we have our third item is a picnic in the park at Laurel Creek. It will be on Friday, August 19th from 530 to 7 p.m. And this is a time to just connect, hang out, play some games, enjoy a meal together, and more details um, will follow. Finally, our worshiping uh, will conclude today, well, kind of, with our giving. Um, The model for giving is God himself. We give because he gave first. 
When you contribute to the ministry of SVC, you're using what God has given you to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with people in our community and beyond. There are five different ways that you can give this morning. You can visit our website at www.solanovalley.org forward slash giving. You can tap the give button on the SVC app. You can also send a check to 1307 Oliver Road in Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text the word G-I-V-E to 707-883-3019. And then if you're here in person, you can place your offering at the back. There is a silver mail slot behind the sound booth. And we just want to, again, say thank you so much for partnering with us and your faithfulness through giving. Thank you very much, Elsa. Really appreciate that. Let's stand together, everybody, and um, celebrate the fact once more that there's nothing that our God can't do. And I know Elsa just touched on this, but I want to just reiterate, we'd be, we would love to see you back here at 630 for our time of revival prayer. I usually lead a few songs in worship, and then uh, Gary kind of guides us through uh, different things to pray for. And uh, it's always just life-giving. Uh, when we gather and do that. So again, would love to have you back here. All right, just one word. Let's sing, church. Just one word that surrounds me. The darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, and I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. Just one word. Just one word. That's broken inside me. Just one word. And you revive every dream. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Oh, yes, I do. Just one touch, and my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. Oh, there's nothing that our God can't do. There's not a mountain that he can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do. No, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison wall he can't break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do.
we thank you so much for being here today. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Hope to see you back here tonight, 630. Enjoy. Enjoy.